Hello and welcome to Hardtack episode 16, Vietnam, Operation Pony Express. I am your host, Mike, and with me is my friend and co-host, Sam Gamji. How goes the day? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. All right, are, are, you ready? are you ready for this episode? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's get into it. Hardtack is a military history podcast and contains mature themes, content, and some crude language. Listener discretion is advised. We do not claim to be experts in any of the topics discussed. The opinions and analysis expressed are that of the participants alone. Now, put on your Kevlar, secure your lickies and chewies, and prepare to take cover for this episode of Hard Tack. As a reminder to our listeners, if you would like to continue or add to the discussion from this episode or any of our previous episodes, you can do so on the Hardtack Podcast Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All can be found through our link tree listed in the episode description, or you can just search Hardtack Pod, and that's one word, on any of those platforms, and you'll find us easily. Look for the logo. You may also email us at hardtackpod at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Please take the time to leave us a review and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Before the United States committed to the deployment of ground troops in Vietnam in March 1965, investment toward the containment of communism had been made in the forms of financial grants, war material, and specially assigned advisors and support personnel. French colonialism collapsed after the Viet Minh victory at Dien Bien Phu in May 1954, Afraid that Southeast Asia would succumb to communist rule, the Geneva Accords were established, and the United States assumed responsibility for supporting an independent South Vietnam under a democratic government. President Dwight D. Eisenhower's domino theory assumed that if South Vietnam fell to communism, surrounding nations would follow suit. The sustainment of democracy in South Vietnam was viewed as a battle for the freedom of all Southeast Asia and efforts for the survival of proximal nations began before 1965. Laos and Cambodia were thought to be particularly vulnerable to North Vietnamese insurgency and had been areas of operations for the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, since 1953. The CIA's clandestine air efforts in Southeast Asia achieved great success and influenced the activation of the 20th Studies and Observation Group, or SOG, later designated as the 20th Special Operations Squadron, SOS, in 1965 to conduct special missions collectively known as Operation Pony Express. Operation Pony Express was one of the most successful operations conducted during the Vietnam War, and the efforts of the United States Air Force 20th Special Operations Squadron extended beyond the borders of Vietnam in direct opposition to communist pursuits and the whole of Southeast Asia. The origin of the United States Air Force 20th SOG is, like its operations during the Vietnam War, obscure and convoluted in evolution. Born at the Savannah Army Airfield, Georgia in 1942, 
The 20th was originally activated as the United States Army Air Forces Observation Squadron. Missions conducted by the 20th during World War II were tied to the Burma Road, after which the squadron was deactivated. The 20th was activated and deactivated multiple times and transitioned from an Army asset to one of the Air Force after the Air Force was established in 1947. Between initial activation and service in Vietnam in 1965, clandestine CIA operations beginning in 1962 by the Military Assistance Command Vietnam, or MACV, had been accomplishing the goal of countering guerrilla operations in Southeast Asia while meeting the demands of the Geneva Accords that the United States was not to commit combat troops to Vietnam. However, the North Vietnamese had failed to abide by the Accords themselves and were conducting guerrilla operations throughout Southeast Asia. The success of the groundwork laid by the CIA before 1965 was a driving force for the activation of the 20th SOG on October 8th, after the Vietnam War had officially begun. The versatility of helicopters led United States Air Force leadership to requisition upwards of 30 of the new Sikorsky S-61R helicopters, designated by the USAF as CH-3Cs, later to be joined by the UH-1 Huey. Sikorsky CH-3C helicopters, or Big Charlies as they were known, were as unique to the USAF as their missions. Big Charlies were specially designed and outfitted for their operations, which included search and rescue, or SAR, and counterinsurgency, or COIN, jungle penetration and extraction, and supply transport. Manufactured by Sikorsky Aircraft out of Stratford, Connecticut, the helicopters were fitted with titanium plating to protect the pilot and crew from small arms fire. Equipped for combat, Big Charlies possessed three mounted M60 machine guns and a cargo space whose dimensions could support 25 battalion-equipped troops, or alternatively housed 15 litter patients, with two medical attendants for full casualty evacuation. Big Charlies earned their name from their size. Requiring ample space due to the special nature of the aircraft's intended use, Big Charlies were 20 feet 6 inches wide and 60 feet 9 inches in length from tip of the fuselage to the tail rotor blades, extended to 73 feet during the flight, when the 63-foot diameter of the five-bladed main rotor was active. Some Big Charlies received upgraded engines in 1966 and were designated as CH-3Es, the only difference being that of engine power. In February 1967, the 20th SOG was infused with new UH-1 Huey helicopters that came to be known as the Green Hornets. The helicopters, along with the upgraded engines of the Charlies, were built for speed to suit the demands of their unique missions. The UH-1 Huey was equipped and ideal for the special operations specific to the 20th, and coupled well with the much larger Charlies. Obviously smaller than the CH-3C and weighing only 9,500 pounds, being burdened by just one engine compared to the Charlies two. UH-1s were 8 feet 6 inches wide from skid to skid and 41 feet 5 inches from the tip of the fuselage to the tail rotor blade and topped out at just over 57 inches from the main rotor's maximum reach to tail rotor when active. Similar to the Big Charlie, the UH-1 was fast and equipped for special missions such as SAR and COIN operations. Together, the two rotary wing machines were central to one of the most successful operations of the Vietnam War. We know where the 20th came from. We know about their helicopters, and we have an idea of what their operations consisted of. But let's get into the meat of actually what they were doing throughout Laos, Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia. So the 20th Special Operations Squadron's first months in Southeast Asia were characterized by the same wandering existence experienced in their post-World War II years. After its activation on October 8, 1965, at the Ton San Nut Air Base in South Vietnam, was divided into three detachments scattered around Southeast Asia. 
Detachment A remained at Tan Son Newt with five Big Charlie's aircraft. Detachment B was deployed to Da Nang with three Charlie's, where Detachment C had the largest allotment of Charlie's at six and was deployed to Nha Trang. The unique USAF squadron served as a specialised air transport service with the Army and Marines transporting troops and war material in support of ground operations. Detachment D was created in February 1966 when two further Charlies were assigned at Nakhon Phnom and became known as the Pony Express. The creation of Detachment D marked an escalation of activity for the 20th SOS. Aside from conducting secret missions in Laos and Thailand, South Vietnam experienced increased activity out of Nha Trang in which upward of 1,000 sorties were flown in March of 1966 alone. Success in Laos, Thailand and northern and southern Vietnam made the 20th SOS ideal for the upcoming US Marine Amphibious Assault, codenamed Operation Double Eagle. Following a move to Udon Royal Thai Air Force Base in April, Detachment D began heavy support of General Vang Pao's guerrilla forces in Laos from its staging base in Thailand. Udon RTAFB was a key strategic point for the Pony Express as it was ideal for both Laotian and North Vietnamese infiltration and exfiltration missions in support of SOG teams. All right, Sam. So you mentioned the U.S. Marine Amphibious Assault, uh, codenamed Operation Double Eagle, uh, but we're talking helicopters. So how did those two tie together? Well, early 1966 was an eventful time for the newly established 20th SOS, and the squadron made made known their prestige from the start. Operation Double Eagle was a United States Marine Corps amphibious assault, and it was actually the largest since the Korean War over a decade earlier, which was staged in the Quang Nagai province on the eastern coast of South Vietnam. The operation was ambitious and required complex planning due to the manpower requirements and multi-site launch of the operation. Double Eagle was a joint operation between the Marine First Corps, MACV, 7th Fleet, Field Force, Army of the Republic of Vietnam, Army of the Republic Vietnam troops, and Vietnamese authorities. The landing was planned to insert two battalions on the beaches in southern southern Quang Nagai, proximal to Duc Pha, with another battalion undergoing insertion 18 miles inland around Bateau by helicopter. The Bateau insertion was executed by the 20th Special Operations Squadron. Double Eagle was a critical operation in the history of the Pony Express as it directly influenced the creation of D-Flight in February after the magnitude of the 20th contributions was realised. In the planning and staging phase of the Special Forces Reconnaissance based at Bartow in January, the Sikorsky Charlies were tasked as a transport flight rather than providing combat support. Colonel Herb Zender, a flight officer with the 20th assigned to Da Nang, described his early operations in 1966. Quote, we worked with the Marines and the Army most of the time. During the time I worked with the Marines, we mainly hauled 105 howitzers and foodstuffs going to pick up the howitzers. End quote. The transport runs detailed by Zender capture the 20th's early contributions to Operation Double Eagle. However, their role expanded during the amphibious operation. The movement and redeployment of the howitzers during Double Eagle by the 20th SOS enabled the Marine battalions to wage war on the ground against North Vietnamese forces to achieve battlefield superiority. On the last day in January, two Charlies airlifted six houses from a support area to, f- to a fallen French fort. The artillery was necessary to provide protection for the communications support operations staged in the fort. 
The communications team staged in the ruins had the critical task of communication battlefield conditions. From Marine Lieutenant Colonel Rodolfo Travian to the to Headquarters Commander General Jonas Platt. Lieutenant Colonel Travian's 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, were tasked with providing defence for the communications unit and pushing back the enemy further inland as the assault advanced to establish control of the Kuang Nagai province coast. The Battle of Camp Ashua occurred on the back end of Operation Double Eagle. The camp was near the border of Laos in the jungles of northeastern Vietnam and a part of the Ho Chi Minh Trail. The camp had been established to disrupt the major North Vietnamese supply route and was manned by just over a dozen Green Berets and 400 ARVN troops. The camp was attacked by the heavy mortar fire of two regiments of the People's Army of Vietnam, supported by Viet Cong troops. The battle was a strategic victory for the NVA. However, the the enemy sustained high casualties. The 20th SOS was responsible for assisting in the evacuation of Camp Ashore. Wounded Marines and ARVN troops were airlifted from the camp and the crew of a downed Marine helicopter was rescued and evacuated by one of the 20th Charlie crews. The downed UH-1E was also airlifted out of Ashore by one of the 20th Charlies. Operation Double Eagle's initial assault and exfiltration and Kasavak at Ashua were enabled by the 20th. So as we see here, the 20th was largely responsible uh, for the successful uh, extraction of wounded individuals. What they came to realize was that the 20th was very adept at getting into tight spaces and getting out uh, with limited casualties, if any at all. So exfiltration and infiltration uh, really became their bread and butter. The efforts of the 20th Special Operations Squadron and Operation Double Eagle and the ongoing coin operations from Thailand resulted in the expansion of the 20th due to their success with the addition of the UH-1 Huey in early 1967. Coin operations against North Vietnam were launched from both Udorn and NKP in Thailand, and pilots conducted multiple flights a week in which infiltration and exfiltration of Special Forces teams were conducted against enemy guerrillas. Big Charlie pilot Max Mullen's personal flight log from December 1967, show that he made 10 infiltration and exfiltration flights from Udorn and NKP to various sites, with another 10 conducted in the first two weeks of January 1968. His flight logs really put into perspective the numerous missions run by the Pony Express, which conducted 315 infiltration sorties in Thailand alone in 1966. And a huge shout out to his grandson, because Max Mullen, Big Charlie pilot, his grandson actually posted his flight logs, so that was really cool to see. And I'll and I'll post a link to that photo, um, both on our Instagram and uh, in the show notes for anybody that wants to see that. It's it's quite a piece of history. The addition of the UH-1 Huey was further increased after the 20th was relocated to Nha Trang in '66, when the United States transported another 20 of the helicopters to Vietnam. The Huey was desirable, though smaller, for its engine speed and quick drop-off and pickup capabilities. However, the Hueys did not share the same benefit of tough titanium armor plating as the Charlies did, which made them vulnerable to even small arms fire. The lack of plating on the Huey did make it lighter, faster, and quieter, which coupled well with the mission goals for coin operations in Laos and North Vietnam. The helicopters were further prepared for their unique mission by the crew who outfitted the Hueys to increase power while reducing its overall weight. This was accomplished through bypassing the carrying of auxiliary fuel and foregoing mounted machine guns. The helicopters carried the infiltration teams and the winch and hoist system 
for infiltration and exfiltration of the SOG teams. The evacuation was not limited to the retrieval of assets placed by the Pony Express. In March 1968, two years to the day of the 20th evacuation at the Battle of Ashur, the 20th was again called upon to evacuate a base in Laos that it had been supplying since 1966, known as Lima Site 85. The location of Lima Site 85 in Laowang, Frabang was deemed necessary as the North Vietnamese had a stronghold named Sam Nua located in the region, and it was used as a primary route of troop infiltration and supply transport between North Vietnam and Laos. The site was considered both necessary to U.S. operations as a landing site and a base of operations from which North Vietnamese efforts in Laos could be hindered. Lima Site 85 was a joint operations base from which indigenous Hmong military operatives worked in tandem with the United States in their efforts against the North Vietnamese insurgency in Laos. 85 received regular supply from Pony Express flights out of Udorn and northern Thailand. North Vietnamese forces were aware of the operations and were determined to take the site. The attack against Lima Site 85 began in early January with probing attacks and mortar barrages. Fighting continued into February, and the Hmong and Americans were slowly and meticulously being surrounded. Airstrikes were conducted by U.S. aircraft to some positive effect. However, the attacking forces regrouped and renewed their efforts. Plans for an evacuation began in late February and called for the use of three Big Charlies and two Huey helicopters to evacuate both Hmong fighters and American assets at the site for a combined capacity of 155 personnel per evacuation run. The evacuation did not go entirely as planned, mostly due to weather and enemy efforts that hindered the operation, and helicopters drew fire. The Big Charlies were unable to assist in the evacuation due to the mountainous terrain and enemy fire, which left two Hueys the task of repeat extraction runs. Evacuation operations were completed, and the site was destroyed and eventually overrun by NVA forces. After the evacuation operation, Lima Site 85 remained in enemy possession for the remainder of the war. Though the site was lost, the effectiveness and selflessness of the 20th SOS were again evident in the actions of the two UH-1s that saved American and Laotian lives. After the fall of Lima Site 85, Laos experienced a steep increase in communist insurgency, an occupation that persisted for the duration of the Vietnam War. The Hmong and General Vang Pao's forces were again aided by the 20th in January of 1969, in which the Pony Express flew 539 sorties to evacuate personnel trapped by communist forces and Laos. While that is a quick, down-and-dirty overview, it's very obvious that the 20th SOS was the best at what they did. Their ability to quickly infiltrate across enemy lines and recover ground troops, both U.S. forces and allied forces, is extremely evident in Lima Site 85 alone. The geography was obviously against them. Like they said, the Big Charlies couldn't even get in because of the mountainous terrain. So these UH-1 Hueys were able to get in and they had to fly multiple sorties. And there were only two of these, only two of these helicopters, which is incredible. Because out of these two, they extracted 155 personnel, and none of the helicopters were brought down. That's truly an incredible operation when you think about it, considering they only had two helicopters, right? Yeah. So, wow. Unfortunately, after 1969, we saw a lot of drawdown. Uh, operation Pony Express started to come to a conclusion, and a lot of the helicopters and units assigned to uh, started to see deactivation. Operation Pony Express came to a chaotic and bitter conclusion in 1969 after it was dissolved in the merger of the 20th and 21st SOS. 
The merger occurred for two reasons. The 20th and 21st, the latter of which was formed in 1967, a task with dropping sensors in Laos during the electronic warfare operation, known as Igloo White, had both experienced discomforting losses in, in the Charlies and Hueys in 1968, and by 1969 had lost a total of 19 Hueys, 13 to enemy fire. And you know what? This, this would be expected, I would think, because it was noted earlier, the Hueys did not have the titanium armor plating that the big Charlies had. Right, so they're more susceptible to uh, enemy exactly fire. that, especially enemy ground fire. It would have it would have been much much easier to take these out of the sky uh, without having to use uh, precision high explosives or anything like that. So even with like um, machine guns and things like that, it would have been easy to take them down. Is that what you're exactly saying? Exactly that. Or yeah, the like... Hueys were small. Okay. The Hueys were small. Um, they, they, they were mm. fast, they were small, and that's what made them so effective was they were able to just quickly buzz in and buzz out, but their vulnerability mm. came from the fact that their speed was enabled by their lack of armor, by their size. So, uh, Right, so they wouldn't have been in heavy, uh, wouldn't, as, wouldn't have been as heavy, so they would have been able to move a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah, they were zippy little things. So that, that explains the huge loss of the Hueys. So the second reason was the overall drawdown of American involvement in Vietnam, dubbed Vietnamization by President Richard Nixon. The war had extended further in years than war planners had ever imagined, and American citizens' disapproval of the war had increased. Vietnamization changed how the war was being fought and saw the reduction of combat troops engaging the enemy and an increase, though secretly, of bombing operations in communist territories in North Vietnam, Laos and Cambodia, known as Operation Menu. The combination of the 20th with the 21st was meant to consolidate Charlie's and the UH-1 Huey assets in Vietnam and reallocate the forces to operations within Vietnam, rather than in cross-border infiltration and exfiltration missions. For the men of the Pony Express, the merger and dissolution of the 20th were a slap to the face. The two units experienced infighting and borderline insubordination as pilots of the 20th SOS attempted to continue their normal operations while pushing the boundaries of their new operational orders. The further conflict occurred when attempts were made to relocate the 20th once again from New Dawn to NKP and the call sign Pony Express, and all intimations of it were to cease. By 1970, Drawdown was in full swing and the missions of the combined helicopter squadrons had shifted to support of the South Vietnamese Air Force in accordance with President Nixon's Vietnamization policy, which required that South Vietnamese military forces began to take on responsibility for the defense of their country. The 20th was deactivated in 1972, one year before American withdrawal from Vietnam. For the United States, the Vietnam War was a disaster, both military and politically, the effects of which have haunted American politicians, military leaders, and citizens well into the 21st century. Financial, material, and political investment in the survival of South Vietnam was costly and came to a shameful end when Saigon fell in 1975. Following in the footsteps of the French before them, the United States had gained nothing substantial and lost all credibility on the world stage in Vietnam. Though an overall failure, there was some success in Vietnam, as exemplified by the conduct of the 20th Special Operations Squadron and Operation Pony Express. Vietnam was more than a war for the survival of a nascent country. As professed by Dwight D. Eisenhower's domino theory, 
The war in Vietnam was for the survival of a free Southeast Asia. Though his theory proved false, the efforts of the 20th SOS directly contributed to the containment of communism throughout Southeast Asia and stand as the great success of American military operations during the Vietnam War. There isn't a lot that can be said to be successful in Vietnam, but my personal opinion is that the 20th is probably one of the greatest American successes in Vietnam. Yet so unheard of, you know, which is really unfortunate. Um, But, you know, as you said earlier, um, the author of that book that you mentioned um, did a really good job at making sure that stories were told. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, Uh, Mutsa did a great job. Um, and meeting with these individuals and traveling all around the country, tracking them down and, and really bringing to light the efforts of the 20th. And I mean, we even we even mentioned it uh, there at the ending that uh, any intimation of the 20th was largely eradicated. People, they didn't want the operations to be known. And a lot of that goes into the fact that they were operating outside of Vietnam, which the president and the secretary of defense and uh, basically the entire war cabinet were lying to the American people about. So operations in Laos and and Cambodia and Thailand would have been largely protested. And when it came to light that that was happening, it it was largely protested. So they had to shut down the 20th and and keep it quiet for as long as possible. Um, But unfortunately, you know, and doing so they, they negate the efforts of the, the, the men that, flew these helicopters that conducted these operations. So so there we go. There is a brief overview of Operation Pony Express. And if it's unknown to you and something that you're very curious about, I highly recommend you look into the sources posted in our episode description and the sources that we'll post on our socials uh, over the next week. Tune in next week as Sam and I bring you the Battle of Sardarabad of the Caucasus Campaign of World War I, 1918. Thank you for listening, and remember to keep your heart attack dry.